welcome to Raw the Podcast with Emma and Amy, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life to special needs and infant loss. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone. I'm Emma, a rural living mum to two preemie and medically complex girls, Hazel Earthside and our warrior Willow up in the stars. And I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to preemie boys James and Jack and a fierce advocate for the preemie and special needs community. We don't share your average mama stories and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could ever imagine. So at this point, we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note, we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly, let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. Above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles, both here and in heaven, bring to our lives. And we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special. A community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm. And together we'll roar. Welcome back to Raw, the podcast for another week. They seem to be flying by at the moment. It's crazy. Today we're welcoming another very special guest, Elle Margotson of Elle Margotson Hypnotherapy. Elle actually came to us by chance when she slid into our DMs and I absolutely believe it was meant to be. Yeah, Amy and I had been chatting after last week's episode with Sydney and I thought this might be a good time to do a bit of a debrief and a mental health check-in as we've discussed some traumatic and triggering topics over the past few weeks. And then Elle popped into our inbox and we knew she was exactly what we needed. Yeah, I remember clicking through to Elle's page and seeing her posts and thinking she is on the exact same level as us and she has both the personal and professional experience to be able to support the mums that we need. Elle's story is quite a tough one in itself. She sadly lost her triplets Noah, Eden and Hudson last year to premature birth after being born at just a tiny 23 weeks. She struggled with a catastrophic grief as she learned how to live without her babies until she found hypnotherapy and was able to grow from her grief and live with it as a part of her. From that moment, she says she's found her calling. She trained in hypnotherapy and now helps others through her grief. As you all know, we truly don't believe there is enough support for mothers who endure traumatic experiences such as premature birth, NICU and loss, especially in the months and years that follow. So we're looking forward to chatting with Elle about how she can help our listeners to improve their mental health and well-being. Welcome Elle, thank you for joining us and most importantly for what you do to support other mamas through their own grief, especially after everything you've been through yourself. We understand that must be quite tricky for you. Can you please tell us your story of your darling triplets? Yeah, um, absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, It's lovely to meet you both. Um, Yeah, so my story started um, last year. I found out I was pregnant in uh, January and um it was a bit of a shock we weren't expecting triplets Mm -hmm. and uh my my partner's a twin we thought there may have been a slight Mm -hmm. chance that we would have had twins um and I remember that I was showing at seven weeks and I thought this is a bit (laughs) weird so we arranged for a private scan and um we went and as soon as she put the doctor on I saw two and we were like okay and she said, I'm just going to go and get the other sonographer because I think there might be another one. And our jaws just hit the floor and we oh, were like, shock. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then like the following two weeks were literally just a case of walking around the house going, where the hell are we going to put three babies? <laughs> um, and, you know, we had this tiny little two bed house and we were like, we're not, we're, we're equipped for one child. We can't, we can't have three. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was just, such a strange experience but pregnancy itself was pretty pretty good to be honest um it was my first pregnancy never had any other pregnancies we've got no living children no living children so 
it was a unique but a lovely experience. Now, obviously, it comes with its side effects, sickness, nausea. I had gestational diabetes as well and um, a few other bits and pieces. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a high-risk pregnancy and we, we weren't, you know, having regular trips to the hospital. And um, we kind of didn't really know anything was wrong, you know, that they were all moving fine. Um, they seemed happy. I was okay. And there was a, a kind of a weak blip where I kind of didn't feel great. Um, me being me thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's probably nothing. I'm probably just mm. being overdramatic. Being a cautious first-time mum as you are. So uh, my mum was like, no, you know, you need to go to hospital. So I went to the MAU to get checked. And straight away they seemed really concerned. And I was told um, that I had quite a severe maternal infection. I also had sepsis. Um, oh gosh. So straight away we knew, okay, this this is a bad situation. At this point, I was exactly twenty three weeks. Yeah. Um. So I was I was admitted. Um. They pumped me full of meds. Me being a naive first time mum, thinking, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be able to go home in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You know, as you do. And that night, I was getting my bag packed. So I'm going to be leaving in the morning. My partner left me after we'd had a scan at four o'clock and we noticed that the fluid on our bottom triplet Noah because they were sitting in an upside down triangle um so our littlest baby Noah at the bottom his water didn't seem as uh, full as the other two mm-hmm. but we were told by the ultrasound tech you know this is normal his fluid levels are normal it's nothing to worry about you'll be fine you kind of push it to the back of our minds where you, you trust your medical professionals. You think, okay, we'll, mm. we'll be good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, an hour and a half later, my water's broke at 5.30. Oh my gosh. Um, and kind of just panic mode set in. And I was thinking, this this can't happen. They can't come now. I was rushed up to the delivery suite. I was given uh, steroids and magnesium to help their brain, their lungs develop. And we were kind of just told to hold on and hope for the best and um, they just hoped and prayed that labour wouldn't start and it would just be a case of my water breaking, they'd be able to stay in there, which unfortunately didn't happen. Um, I I went into labour, it was only mild labour, but I did go into labour, and then the following day, uh, around three o'clock, I had a scan, and they told me that Noah had already dropped into my birth canal and they couldn't see any signs of life. Oh. So... I was preparing to give birth to a, to a stillborn little boy. So that was tough in itself, having to, you know, it was all so sudden within the space of a day I'd gone from thinking mm. everything was okay to, okay, one of my babies is coming and he's going to be stillborn. Yeah. So that was tough. Um, mm. But the labour itself was amazing. It was just, it was me, my mum and a midwife in the room and it was so peaceful and lovely and... um I gave birth to him, uh, and he was actually showing signs of life when he came out. So that in itself was quite triggering because I'd so prepared to have mm. a stillborn. Um, yeah, it's not what you expected. No, not at all. So that mm. was a whole new, and I think at that point I just kind of lost it because I didn't know what to do. Mm. Yeah. So I pretty much had a breakdown at that point, and. Fortunately, I had my partner, my parents with me, and we had four hours with him before he passed away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was tough. But then having having lost one baby, I still had two others to think about. So I was so desperately trying to keep a hold on my emotions because I, I didn't want to cause myself too much stress to cause mm. the other babies any more stress. Um, so at this point, the hospital did something they said they'd never done before because their placentas were all attached. So they stitched the umbilical cord back up and pushed it back in and kept the placenta inside to keep the other two from coming too early. Wow. Um, yeah, which was a very, very strange experience. What a full-on experience for your, for your first yeah. children as well, like mm-hmm. to go through all that in a matter of hours and days, like how full-on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just Unfortunately, it just got worse from there as well. It, um, it, it just kind of spiralled from there really I mean we, we thought okay we, we've lost one you know 
we were absolutely devastated but we're thinking if we can just give the other two a chance Mm -hmm. it kind of it it makes his death mean something in a way you know if he's given way for his brother and his sister to have a chance um so that i was on bed rest then for um four days and they unfortunately my labor stopped and they kind of just left me and hoped for the best really um, obviously, I was still very ill. So they were giving me a lot of medication and giving me a lot of medication for um, the babies as well. And um, I had no on the Wednesday, and by the Friday night, I'd started going back into labour again. So at this point, I was uh, 24 and 4, and I was thinking, mm-hmm. sorry, 23 and 4, and I was thinking, this, this isn't going to go the way I want it to go, the way we expect it to go. So automatically I'm catastrophizing and planning for the worst in my in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um yeah, my my labour started on a Friday night. I couldn't have an epidural because of the medication that I was on. So it was a case of uh gas and air and a little bit of morphine when I could. Um and yeah, uh by Sunday morning I was still in labour and it mm. wasn't showing any signs of stopping and I was fully dilated. Um so I was given an ultimatum. It was either you can have them naturally, which is safer for you because you know, your infection is quite bad, but it's not a good survival rate for them. Or yeah. you can have a C-section, which isn't so great for you, but is better for them. Yeah. So I chose to have a C-section. Um, I was put on a gen- general anaesthetic, so I, I did miss their birth. So I was mm-hmm. knocked out, which it is sad, but in a way I'm kind of grateful because at that point I was just so exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, so ready for the experience to be over. I kind of, I didn't want to witness it just in case yeah. they came yeah. out and they weren't alive. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but, you know, they, they made it. They were taken off to the NICU and I was stitched up and sent back around to my room. And then the next two weeks were kind of just a whirlwind of being in the NICU every single day, trying to physically recover. I was, um, my milk came in, so I was expressing because, yeah. Uh, in the UK when you have babies in the NICU they very much push breastfeeding if you can mm-hmm. um, I wasn't physically able to feed them they, they never actually were able to feed um, they were too ill um, but yeah it was a combination every day we'd go in and you know it was always up and down like one mm-hmm. day Eden would be okay and Hudson would be ill and then they'd switch um and it was just a constant every day and you know we we were staying with family at the time who lived close to the hospital and you just dread the phone call that you can get at two or three o'clock in the morning saying you know we don't think your baby's going to make it can you come in yeah and that happened three or four times so we we got to a point where pretty much just living at the hospital and you were already grieving Noah as well like this whole time you've lost a child and you were just thrown into that that whirlwind environment where you don't have time to even process that like that's just so much exactly I I think any mother who loses a child I think when you're in the hospital you're just numb and you're on autopilot and you you do Mm. what you have to do to get through that moment Mm. in time and um yeah it, it was just one complication after another and after eight days we were told um Hudson had the worst infection that the neonatal consultant had seen in five years. And um, he also had a really, uh, well, was severe, a grade three brain hemorrhage. Yeah. And we were told in order for him to live some quality of life, they would have to drill into his skull and drain the pressure off his brain daily. Yeah. Um, which at that point, we were kind of like, that's not fair. He's fought hard enough, you know. Mm, yeah. We fought hard enough for him and, we were kind of given the decision of whether, you know, we wanted to keep him on or whether we wanted to, you know, take him off life support. But ultimately we were told that his quality of life was going to be slim to none. Um, So we kind of made that decision along with the consultants and the nurses that it was the best for him to just have some time together. So after eight days, we decided to take him off life support and he didn't last very long blessing he, he was so poorly he lasted about 25 minutes off yeah. the support but it's a, it's a strange feeling when the only way you can hold your baby is when they're passing away 
mm. you know other than that we we, we were they were in their their incubators we weren't allowed to touch them yeah. hold them anything because it, the slightest chance of an infection getting in could result yeah. in you know disaster so the only time I got to hold my children was when they were dying which is sad horrible yeah um but yeah we 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 lost Hudson after eight days on on Father's Day actually on the 21st um and then Eden hung on for a little bit longer and then after 13 days we thought she was getting better she seemed to be sort of thriving and she was doing really well um she'd opened her eyes at this point she was she was developing and she she was doing great and you know we we were so proud of her and she had to have a ultrasound scan on her belly because her, her tummy was starting to go gray and we were told you know this this doesn't look great mm-hmm. um and from the ultrasound we found out that she'd got necrotizing encolitis mm-hmm. um and basically her entire gut and stomach were were dead there was there was no way of saving it there was there was we asked if there was a way she could have surgery to have a stoma fitted, but there was nothing left to save. Yeah. Um, and obviously babies can't, they, nobody can survive without, without a gut or, you know, a, a stomach or anything. So that decision was kind of taken away from us because we could keep her on life support to keep her here, but she was never going to make it. Yeah. So that decision was kind of taken away from us. And at, at that point, selfishly, we'd kind of had enough. And we knew that they'd had enough. They'd they'd fought yeah. for long enough. Um, so yeah, after thirteen days we, we, we decided to call it quits. And uh yeah, we had the same with Eden, we had some cuddle time and she lasted for a long time, but she was she was still with us about seven hours later. Um and yeah, that was it and we had to leave the hospital with three memory boxes instead of three babies. So that was kind of the start of our grief journey. Yeah, and that's something that only someone who has been in that position or situation can explain or understand that feeling of going into a hospital, either pregnant or um, holding your baby and then leaving without them. So that's just Mm -hmm. a traumatic experience and I'm sure that's an experience that will just stand out forever in your mind is leaving the hospital that day without your three little babies so yeah yeah it's heartbreaking uh, yeah that's kind of the the moment the bubble burst for me I think I was so yeah. on autopilot and just going through the motions because you put your children first and you want to do what's best for them but mm. when you have to face the reality that you don't have your children and you've mm. just handed your daughter your last surviving baby over to a nurse mm. and have to leave mm. without them that bubble mm. burst then I think it kind of yeah. it, it hit me then yeah. like a tidal wave and yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. kind of where it, my journey started yep so their loss obviously caused a huge amount of suffering and had a significant impact mm. on your mental health um what are some of the hardest yeah. things you experienced during during those early dark days of your grief Oh, this is a question I ask my clients a lot, really. It's, yeah. uh, I think the biggest thing for me um, was guilt. I struggled a lot with guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, you know, is, is it my fault? I caught the infection. They died from ha- catching an infection from me. Is there something I could have done? You know, could I have tried to prevent it some way or could I have gotten help sooner or... You know, is there something I could have done? But, you know, at every angle I was being told by my medical professionals, no, you're fine, you know, it's normal. Um, I mean, I think I may have been losing fluid as well from earlier on, but I didn't know what to look for. And I brought that up several times and I was always told, no, you know, you're fine, you're carrying three babies, that's totally normal. Um, so, yeah, it was a feeling of being let down as well. Mm-hmm. And... um the post-traumatic stress was really bad the first few days. I mm-hmm. didn't sleep well at all for probably the first week because it was just constant flashbacks and constantly waking up and checking my phone, expecting a phone call because you, you finally fall asleep and you think, okay, I'm all right. And then you wake up and realise that you're living the nightmare mm-hmm. and there isn't any escape from it. 
and it's just that constant trauma that lives with you yeah. for it lives with you forever but for, especially mm. for the first few days especially the first week mm. it was it was really really tough and I'm just very grateful that I had a really good support network to help me get through it yeah and like you said it's it's um like it's not like you've forgotten that they've they've passed away when you go to sleep or whatever but it's that when you wake mm-hmm. up the next day and it's that it's like they've died all over again every single day it's like you you, yeah. you relive it every day and that is so exhausting and having to remind you not remind yourself but just yeah remember that you're starting your day without your children again is yeah it's an exhausting process so you certainly explain that very yeah. well thank you yeah And we talked about in our last episode with Sydney, um, that feeling of why me um, and feeling angry almost. And especially with your three, it sounds Mm -hmm. like they each had something up against them, like the neck and the the brain bleed. Did you experience some of that why me and why did this happen to us? Yeah, 100%. You know, I think think any mum that loses a child, that's kind of the first thing you ask yourself. You see other people with their babies and you think well hang on a minute I did everything right why do they get their baby and I don't Mm. get mine Mm. you know I think that's something we can all resonate with but absolutely 100% it's a question that I ask myself on a daily and sometimes I get quite angry about it and I'm thinking Mm. you know I did everything I possibly could to keep them safe and it still wasn't enough you know Mm. why did it happen to me and I think even I mean, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I think even if you are, it kind of, it strips you of all of your faith. You think, if there's anybody up there, how could they mm. do this to me? Yeah, how could they absolutely. Do this? Yeah. yeah. And then your friend reached out and offered you a hypnotherapy session. Did you need some convincing to do mm-hmm. this or was this something you were up for immediately? I needed a lot of convincing to do that. <laughs> I'm quite a... Um, quite a practical person and um I mean I I have a five six year history with um study and work with psychology and mental health anyway um but I'm very much one of these people that if there's not physical evidence that it works I'm not interested um so it was a little bit too holistic for me and I had to do a lot of reading around it but to be honest I was at a point where it was kind of probably about three weeks after we lost them, maybe four, and I was in a really, really dark place. Um, And I kind of just went because my mum was really pushing me to go. She was like, you need to see someone. And I not accepted help from my doctors because the only help they could give me was a uh, male counsellor who, no disrespect to him, I'm sure he's great at his job, but unless you've given birth to a child, you mm-hmm. can't understand what I've been through. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, a, a family friend is a hypnotherapist, and she kind of reached out to me and said, look, just let me tr- let me give you a session. And um, she hasn't lost any children, but she'd lost her husband, so we've kind of had some way to relate to each other. We've, we've both lost something important to us. Yep. So... Um, but yeah, she's a hypnotherapist and an RTT therapist. So I, I gave it a shot. I went, I wasn't expecting much from it. And I think I was there for, we did an intense session. I was there for about five hours. Wow. And um, yeah, I was under for a lot of that. And I just remember crying the entire time. But I, I said to her, the main thing I wanted to focus on was, was, was the guilt I was feeling. And I walked out of that session feeling like I'd let go of a breath I didn't know I was holding. And I just, you know, I was able to let go of the, of the guilt. Like it mm, almost, yeah. almost instantaneously, she just rewired my brain into a way that I just didn't, I knew that it wasn't my fault anymore. And mm. I just left and I thought, wow, like if that can happen for me after one session, what could it do for other mothers who are going through the same thing? Mm, yeah. And that's kind of where the the fire just ignited in me, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I kind of felt like, okay, I felt like I'd lost my purpose with losing the triplets. And I kind of felt like that was a sign for them to be like, listen, mum, this, this is your purpose now. You're supposed to help other mums. Mm. So, yeah, it kind of just spiralled from there. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. that's really special. Um, 
Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Um, when I think of hypnotherapy, I think of like the movies and the swinging sort of pocket watch where someone <laughs> places someone into a trance and they kind of against their will and they lose all control of their mind. And I know that that is a myth and it's completely mm. inaccurate. But for those of us who aren't familiar with hypnotherapy, can you tell us a little bit about um, what it is and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the first thing that everybody says to me when they come. That I always get, you're not going to turn me into a chicken, are you? <laughs> yeah. We're so used to what we see in movies or, you know, if you go and see a stage hypnotist, yeah. Yeah. that's kind of what you're used to. But there's a big difference between a hypnotist and a hypnotherapist. Mm. Yeah. And the therapy is the key element of that, that that's missing. Um, so I always like to say to people that hypnotherapy is that nice sweet spot just before you fall asleep and you mm. just feel comfortable and relaxed and cosy and nice. It's not at all putting you to sleep. You are completely aware. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just kind of dipping in and out of wake and sleep. Mm. So you are just really, really relaxed. That's the best way to put it. It's just a deep, relaxed state. Mm. And um, it just allows your subconscious to come forward. So, you know, all the chatter that we get in our conscious mind kind of gets put on the back burner. And the subconscious mind is such a large part of our brain that we don't really access, consciously access a lot. But it controls so much, mm. including our thoughts and feeling processes and you know, everything like that. So it's literally just a case of accessing your subconscious and just kind of going, oh, it's me, I'm here to help you. Can I just put some you know, positive suggestions in there? And, yeah. you know, if you can take them and work with them, that would be great. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's kind of how it works. You know, everybody is, as much as you're putting to a relaxed state, you are aware of what's happening. Mm. Um, some people get, a phenomenon called hypnotic amnesia which I'm one of these people I get that which is where you're put under and you don't remember what you've experienced when you wake up hmm. um which is not uncommon it happens to a lot of people like I say I'm one of those people um but I quite like that because I'm like well we've clearly addressed some trauma but I just come out feeling shiny and yeah. new. I don't want to remember it though yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's um it's a really lovely experience and it's something that I never thought before experiencing myself it would be something that I would want to do as a career or, you know, as a client. But it is literally, it's truly transformational and it makes Mm. such a huge difference, especially when it comes to grief. It can be such a powerful tool to help you navigate your grief. Um, And it's something that I would absolutely recommend anybody try. Mm. Well, you've um, certainly convinced me to... (laughs) maybe go and give it a go um is this something that you just do face to face can you do it like how, what sort of avenues do you offer your services at the moment yeah so um I, I do some face to face I have a um a, an office at home um I live mm-hmm. in uh, Staffordshire in the Midlands in the UK mm-hmm. um but to be honest the majority of my work is online um mm-hmm. you can have hypnotherapy via zoom and it is just as effective as in person and okay. I have clients all over the world. I see mm. people in um, America, um, Brazil, South Africa. You know, there's, there's people I speak to all over the world, and it is just as effective. Um, yeah. And it's great because it just opens up so many doors for people to seek treatment. And yeah. um, I think a big thing is for mums that are going through grief, Finding somebody that is a mental health professional but also has experienced what you're experiencing is mm-hmm. huge in terms mm. of your recovery and um, the impact it can have on healing your grief. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it works globally. So, um, again, having not much knowledge at all about hypnotherapy, I don't know why, but I kind of thought it wasn't tailored to every individual's experience I don't know why I thought it was just this like overarching everyone gets a generic therapy which it clearly isn't like you clearly get to know um, the concerns of your your clients and what they want to get out of it and um, you, you obviously have a good talk about their story and their journey and it's not just 
you know the hypnotherapy you can just have a a chat like you said um and talk through some of Mm. that as well so yeah that's good to know I didn't know much about this at all so it's interesting yeah I always say to my clients I I never it's never just the sessions and then you're left on your own Mm. there's always ongoing support you know we kind of I always do a, a free phone call first just to make sure that they feel like it's the right fit for them and that we we gel and and they feel like I'm the right therapist for them and then we we do I always come up with a tailored plan for each client for what they're you know what they're struggling with Mm. um and then after that it's always you know they've got my my phone number they've got my email they've got my Instagram they can message me whenever they like whenever they're having a bad day you know I'll always be there for support uh I've just set up a Facebook group for the same thing so that's kind of for for me and all of my clients to get to know each other and share their stories and share what they've learned from their sessions with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always that there's always that support in the background. It's never just the hypnotherapy. There is mm. always I'm always there for a hand to hold if you need it. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. You said that you knew basically instantly after your first session that you wanted to learn and then teach hypnotherapy to other mm-hmm. mo- mothers like your friend had helped you yeah. wanted to help other mothers through their own grief yeah. you know having that personal experience as well as then having the professional experience so you obviously had to go on and then and do some study yeah. to become um, qualified yeah do you in any way use your personal experience during your hypnotherapy sessions or is that more of something you you use it but you don't you know you don't let other people know that it's your story you know coming from a personal place or how do you sort of bring the two together and do you have to try and separate it um I I don't separate it I always say to my clients you know I'm not a I never wanted to be a traditional therapist where you know you come and you lie on a couch and you tell me your problems Mm. it's all very much like a we're very open like me and my clients we talk like friends and I will always openly share my story and my journey and I think in a way it's quite helpful for others to hear my story too um mm. it's comforting I always get told you know it's really nice to know that not nice in what I've been through but nice to know that they can relate to me mm. um and yeah I, I don't particularly use it in the hip therapy but we do a lot of talk therapy as well yeah. um so it kind of comes into play there because a the client will say to me you know I'm feeling this way and I'll say do you know what that's completely normal I felt that way too yeah um and I think it's really comforting to be able to relate to your therapist like that mm. um and it, it has had a massive impact on the effects that it's had on people um yeah absolutely I think that that is so important um I I think you know part of the reason that this podcast has hit hit home and become so loved so quickly is because mm-hmm. we do talk about those things that other people can relate to and having that personal experience people can yeah. actually you know they know that they're not alone and that you're there alongside them not just you know as a professional and I went and saw mm-hmm. a therapist after my yeah. um, um two traumatic sort of births and um with my son who's got some yeah. medical complexities and I was very similar, like you said, I didn't want to just go and see anyone. You kind of do your research and you make sure that the person you're talking to has some yeah. experience um, in what in what you've been through. Because otherwise you do just feel like they're never going to understand, especially what's going on inside my brain. So I think it's yeah. just amazing that you're using something, especially something so tragic, um, to bring such a positive change to, to so many. I think it's, yeah, you're incredible. Well done. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. I mean, there does kind of come a point where I have to, uh, you have to put your professional heads on sometimes and I do have to separate my own grief from others mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. able to help them process their grief. Um, yeah. And that, that can be tough sometimes, especially when it's a particularly tough story. Um, but I think in a way I always say to people, you know, this is my calling now, but by helping other people through their grief, it helps me process my own grief. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I don't walk away from my sessions at the end of the day feeling like, oh, my God, like there's so much tragedy. I walk away with a smile on my face thinking, right, I've helped people today. Mm-hmm. If they feel a little bit better, even if it's just for today, mm-hmm. then it makes it all worth it. And it makes yeah. me have a better day because it makes me feel like I'm doing some good. I'm putting my grief to work and doing yeah. something that's worthwhile. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps. That's so special. And it's 
Yeah, especially like you said, Amy, after such a traumatic events Mm. in your life to then go and do something Mm. so positive and so productive that not only helps you but helps other families that have been through a really shit time or going through a shit time is something that not everyone can do so I think I definitely take my hat off to you for for jumping out and doing something that like that and I know that your little babies would be so endlessly proud of their mum and I think that's so mm-hmm. special. So thank oh, you thank for the you. things you do for such a special community. So good on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh thank you. You'll make me cry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you've already made me cry, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you said that when you're um, doing your hypnotherapy, obviously you try and put your professional mm-hmm. hat on. Um, but you are still yeah. grieving, and how? So how long ago was yeah. this for you that your your children passed away? Um, they were born and passed away in June. June. So, so it's not actually been that long. Yeah, quite recent. So very yeah. recent. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that it's very important, and I feel the same. Sometimes I talk um about our grief. Obviously, we lost um Willow last April. Um. Yeah. Not to sugarcoat it and not to mislead people Mm -hmm. into thinking that we suddenly don't have bad days anymore because we so openly can so openly speak about the things that we've been through and that we're going through. Um, But you've said that Mm -hmm. without the help that you've received, that things could have ended very differently um, for you and hypnotherapy has changed your perspective to allow you to live with your grief. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that hypnotherapy is a one-size-fits-all and can you help everyone, do you think? Um, I wouldn't say it's a one-size-fits-all. I don't think any therapy is a Mm one-size-fits-all. There's always going to be somebody that, that doesn't, you know, like the style of hypnotherapy or it doesn't suit them or, you know, it, it doesn't work for them. That's that's very much the thing with hypnotherapy. You have to be open minded and yeah. be willing to accept something that is a little yeah. bit different. Yeah. Um but I think the main thing for me was the results come a lot quicker with hypnotherapy than with other traditional methods of therapy mm. from yeah. what I've personally experienced. So uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say for everyone yeah mm-hmm. but at the same point I would highly recommend everybody to try it you know you can yeah. always try it if you if it doesn't work for you and you don't like yeah. it then that's fine yeah. but you might just find that it's the thing that just absolutely is pivotal for you I mean it, it was for me yeah. like you just said I do completely I completely um give everything I have now to hypnotherapy I mm. you know I, I'm kind of like what eight nine months into my grief journey and yeah. I threw myself into it straight away because I needed yeah. a distraction technique and yeah. it has turned my life on its head having hypnotherapy yeah. I don't I would I, there's a good chance I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't mm-hmm. had hypnotherapy if I'm completely honest yeah. I was in a very 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 bad place yeah, um, yeah that's, a, that's a bold statement isn't it yeah. like that says a lot yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, and I get that it, it is and some people look at me and think really and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm a very strong, very stubborn person. I, I'm the person that everybody in my family comes to when they're having problems. Yeah. And when you are used to shouldering the burden of everything and then this happens to you and you, you have the support of your family, but you mm-hmm. you kind of have to just accept the fact that you need help from somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was tough in itself. But once yeah. I opened that door, everything changed. Yeah. And everything changed for the better. Um, yeah. And I think the reason that even though I'm only a short period in that, you know, I, I do appear to be hand, not handling it as well as I am, even though, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I have bad days where I don't get out of yeah. bed. But I think it's purely just because I had therapy and because I threw myself into my work that yeah. that just worked for me. Yeah. Um, and that is literally why I'm where I am today. Yeah. Mm. All right. So. This is where we are going to really lean in on your professional skills and knowledge and ask you to offer some advice for our listeners, okay. a lot of whom have either had traumatic yeah. experiences with premature and premature birth and NICU life, but also many who have experienced loss and are yeah. struggling through their own like, all-consuming grief. So this might be a bit mm-hmm. of a tricky question putting you on the spot, but what is your biggest piece of advice for parents who are experiencing trauma and grief? I think my biggest piece of advice to parents who are experiencing trauma and grief is to be kind to yourself 
and be gentle with yourself you know there's so much pressure for you to do everything in that moment and then you move away from your trauma but you still have the mental trauma and especially for mums you know you have this body that is ever changing from your pregnancy you know postpartum bodies were not taught how to deal with um when your milk comes in that can be a trauma in itself mm. um your home that you've prepared you know that you don't want to go back to because you're ready for a baby mm. don't put too much pressure on yourself to be that person to have to be like yeah I'll sort it I'll sort it I'll deal with it take everything in your own pace don't rush yourself to do anything if you're not ready it'll always be there tomorrow you know you can always address it another day when you're feeling mentally strong enough to and if you're having a particularly bad day let yourself have a bad day don't try to push through it and think I'll just get on with it you don't have to get on with it I always let myself have a bad day and then before I go to bed I'll say to myself right you've had a feeling sorry for yourself day today you know you've had it you've wallowed you've watched crappy tv you've Mm -hmm. everything you shouldn't have eaten and you know tomorrow's going to be a better day we're going to try again tomorrow Mm -hmm. and we'll try and have a more positive day Mm -hmm. but I think that's the biggest thing is being gentle to yourself Mm -hmm. and also you don't have to manage everybody else's grief which Mm -hmm. I think is a big thing because when you have people around you that are grieving as well Mm. it's their job to support you you're not there to support them Mm -hmm. so make sure that you have that network and if you're not perhaps have a few conversations with people Mm -hmm. but it's not your job to manage other people's grief or expectations yeah I think there's sorry I'll give you two there but that would probably be my two biggest no that's that's perfect gosh I think you yeah no I I I think you've certainly hit the nail on the head with those ones I think you're so right it's and I've never even thought to explain it that way but managing other people's grief as well especially people around you who Mm -hmm. are also grieving your little ones but to then to them yeah. for them to put that grief onto you sometimes is a lot to deal with when you just need people to support you and and be around you yeah. so i think that's a really good way of putting it but you certainly don't think of how heavy or how much that's going to weigh down on you at the time that it's happening but when you pick up the phone and you yeah. call your your person that you you want some support from and they're upset and they're they're grieving it, it it does add to your grief as well which is really hard because you want to support them but you you need to be supported at the same time so I think that's that's a really good one yeah. um for people to try and understand yeah definitely yeah absolutely so next question this one actually ties together um with a listener question that we've had from a lost mama um what are some techniques or coping strategies that we can use at home when we feel ourselves becoming overwhelmed and anxious particularly when we feel a panic attack or a flashback coming on yeah okay so I wrote a list to be prepared but it's quite (laughs) a long list that's okay so um I'll I'll try and sort of I might start brief, taking but, some um, notes. Yeah. <laughs> you got your pen yeah. handy. <laughs> Free therapy. <I> think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think um, I think the biggest thing that always helped me when I felt like I was having a particularly um, triggering day or a day where I was experiencing a lot of panic attacks um, is is journaling. That's something that I've always used because I've always kind of struggled with anxiety since as a teenager and I always kind of say to others when you feel a panic attack coming on sit and write a list of the things that are making you anxious in that very moment and I guarantee you the list will be a lot smaller on paper than it is in your head Mm. and that is kind of an immediate way of diffusing the bomb in a way because when you have it physically on paper in front of you and it's tangible you look at it and you go why am I anxious over that and it is the little things that make you anxious when you when you've lost a child you know I mean I was I was out the other day and 
I heard a lorry reversing and the um the, the beepers on the lorry sound just like the beepers on the machines in the NICU unit. Mm. And I was instantly triggered and I could feel a panic attack coming on. Mm. And again, I just, I sit and I grab my phone and I go to my notes and I literally write down what's making me feel anxious. Yeah. And the only thing that was on that list was a lorry's reversing. And I was like, why yeah. is that making me anxious? Yeah. You know, and I think when you can physically see it, 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 it yeah. kind of just put it in perspective for you. So that's yeah. like kind of just, one trick that is a little silly one but it is quite helpful do you ever feel like sometimes you can't actually pinpoint what it is that's triggered you or upset you like sometimes people be like what's making you anxious or what's what's upsetting Mm -hmm. you and you can't actually we we were just talking about this before you came on amy that sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't even know what it is that's upsetting you or triggering you in that moment so how do people yeah. then get out of that if they don't actually know in that moment what it is that's making them feel like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's totally normal for a lot of people. I have days like that where I think mm. you know, I'm really anxious, but I don't know specifically what's caused Why? it. I've just woke up mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and days like that, I tend to practice, you know, perhaps a bit of self-care, you know, have a bath, um, make myself feel a little bit better in that respect. Um, meditation is great if you're into that kind of thing <laughs> wine is also great <laughs> amy's just held I'm up. sipping my wine yeah. after my emotional <laughs> meltdown today <laughs> yeah but yeah um i think there are a lot of things you can do and i think everybody handles their anxiety or things work for them in different ways um but i think you know if you if you are one of those people you know meditation does help a lot of my clients I will do um, recordings for so that when they're having a particularly bad day or a particularly anxious day, they can stick that on in the yeah. background and it kind of just helps diffuse it a little bit. Um, I think sleep hygiene is really important when it comes to managing anxiety levels. I think if you have, and it's hard, it's really hard to have a, a solid sleep routine, especially in the first few months because it's just all over the place. Um but if you can get to a point where, you know, you're mentally able to establish a sleep routine, it mm. does help massively with your anxiety levels. Yeah. Um, but I could talk about this forever because there are so many different techniques that work for mm, um, yeah. different you know, forms of anxiety. Because everybody's anxiety is individual. No two are the same. Everybody has different triggers mm. or, you know, different ways of processing or, or, yeah. or coping and you know the the general advice I give might work for some and might not work for others yeah. so it is very much a unique thing but there are a lot of yeah. things the one thing that really works for me when I'm having an anxious day is um watching ASMR videos on YouTube mm-hmm. I don't know they just I, they just chill me out to oh <laughs> it's, google it, it, it okay. it's you will know once you see it, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It is, like, the most chilled thing you can ever watch. And, yeah, yeah that just, like, completely takes me down a notch. Or distracting myself mm. with something, you know. If you're, if you're in a, like, like I say, I threw myself into studying, that kind of helps me. But if you are at a point where you're able to have a hobby or get back into hobbies, distracting mm. yourself from it mm. can be a helpful way to help mm. it kind of deflate a little bit and then you can address it when it's like not at 100 and it's calmed down a little bit especially Um, something you're really passionate about yeah finding something that you really love doing yeah Mm -hmm. and do you think if we're acknowledging what we're feeling and that either that trigger or um whatever's upsetting us like you know putting a name to it putting Mm -hmm. a face to it and then we're able to kind of move forward from that do you think that that helps yeah, 100%. I think um, personifying something, giving it an identity, mm. that's actually a technique that we use in uh, hypnotherapy and is linked to a technique we use called dissociation where you separate that part of yourself mm. Um, mm. from yourself as a, as a physical being and you can look at it as a separate entity mm. and, you know, give it a name, call it Bob if you want yeah. to, you know, do what you need to do to be able to separate yourself from it. And sometimes that can be a really, really effective way of, you know, looking at it and saying, I'm not going to let you control me Mm. today. I'm not going to let you dictate what happens or how I feel today. 
And again, that that is something that I I work through with clients in a hypnotherapy session. You know, we will decompartmentalize grief and take the the sections of anxiety and uh, and and guilt and anger and jealousy and everything that comes with it, and we will dissociate it and give it an identity and mm-hmm. you know break it down in that way. So yeah, absolutely, that is a really effective tool of of uh, of managing anxiety. Yeah, because I think as women, especially, we're pretty bad at doing that like I think we're so good at pushing things aside Mm -hmm. and saying I'll deal with that later or I'm too busy um yeah and not actually facing facing that stuff head on like we bottle up so much until Mm -hmm. it's that bursting point so I think that it yeah I think that's a really good really good trick is actually you know it's not comfortable but um sitting with with that feeling or whatever is making you um yeah feel that way it's really important yeah to be able to move past it Mm -hmm. Mm. all right we might head into another listener question while we're at it this isn't necessarily aimed at you l um it's just something that has come through a couple of times from our listeners um how do you maintain a healthy relationship with your partner with all of the stress and the strain of what you're going through in these traumatic experiences it's a good question it's funny you bring this up because i've had this conversation quite a lot over the last few days um it's hard but I think you have to kind of try and get to a point where everybody grieves differently and it's acknowledging the fact that you and your partner will be grieving differently but finding a mutual ground where you respect each other's way of grieving but you are also there to support each other and that can be really difficult to do especially in the early days and it's very easy to blame each other when you've got nobody else to blame Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And it's tough. Managing relationships are tough, especially when you're navigating your own grief and you then have to try and help somebody else navigate through theirs. Mm -hmm. But I think the the main thing, as anything with a relationship, is communication. You need to be open with each other and be honest about how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. When you're having a bad day, tell your partner you're having a bad day, Mm -hmm. you know, and vice versa for them. Because I think Especially when it comes to men, you know, I mean, my partner felt that way, that they're very much not treated the same. Uh, mm. Fathers aren't treated the same as, as mothers when it comes to, you know, lo- losing a child, especially in the hospital. Um, you know, my partner would find that he'd go into the NICU for an update and that he'd just go, yeah, they're fine. Whereas I'd go in mm. and they'd give me a full yeah. breakdown of, of everything. Mm. And he kind of felt pushed out a lot in that. And mm. I think that can resonate into a lot of other areas as well. So mm. I think it's important to make sure that you know they know that we support them as much as they support us and they've lost a child too and they need that support so I think just be open and honest with each other even if that means that you have to say some things that are a little bit hard to say I guarantee that it will feel a lot better if you can get it out in the open and be honest with each other and have a solid line of communication um and just know where you stand. And as I say, just, just be respectful of each other's ways of grieving. Obviously, as long as it's not something that's causing any external issue. Like, you know, if, 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 they're, if they're having trouble or turning to something they shouldn't turn to or, mm-hmm. or, you know, that sort of situation. But in the long run, I think if you can respect the way that each other are grieving, but you can still have a mutual understanding and be there for each other, that will help massively in terms of your relationship. Well, you've answered that one perfectly. We'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we could just get every listener question we've ever had and just throw it at you and be like, yep, thank you. I know. (laughs) She's got like the perfect answer. I like go to say something and then Mm. I'm like, oh, she said it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's great. I I can talk for England. No, I can talk for England. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. it's always nice though because especially for me to sit there and hear someone who's been through a a similar um, life experience say things that are that are in Mm -hmm. your head but sometimes I struggle to put into words it's always really Mm -hmm. reassuring and comforting not that you ever want anyone to go through what we've been through but it is always really reassuring to sit there and hear someone say things and just go you know what I'm not as batshit crazy as I thought I was or (laughs) it's not just me that's feeling this way um so 
I think yeah. like, and yeah, that it's normal it's yeah absolutely yeah. priceless yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. because it's not made yeah. out to be normal absolutely. you you look into anything about about grief and loss and um I've said this before they cut mm-hmm. it down into such specific stages and this is how you proceed through grief and this is the way it's done and it's it's so not like that and yeah. you are living proof that mm-hmm. it, it is backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. It's a roller coaster. You can have yeah. good days, you can have bad days and that's okay. And when you're having that bad day, don't yeah. let it, like you said, don't let it eat you up. Like have that bad day and then mm-hmm. try for a good day the next day. But if it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world because at the end of the day, you're feeling exactly. the way you're feeling and there's no one else that can understand that so yeah I think you yeah put it into words so beautifully and that lived experience that you have that you can share with your clients is is going to change their lives so I think that's incredible thank you thank you very much I always kind of I always say to people like you said you know grief grief isn't linear it's not Mm going to be straightforward process it's going to be up and down and it's going to be all over the place and just just accepting that is a big part of it yeah I am I just want to throw in here I absolutely love how you're where you are today because of I guess um some difficult choices that you've had to make so you like you said you're in a really Mm -hmm. dark place where you like that could have ended really badly um but you made that decision Mm -hmm. to find help and to make a change and I think that's really brave and I think Mm -hmm. that um you know it is a really hard thing to go and ask for for help and to acknowledge that you need help and yeah to to go and do that and to try something as well that was quite out of your comfort zone and you weren't sure that you you believed in I think that's just yeah really incredible Mm. and the fact that you're now here doing what you're doing supporting other women after Mm. making that conscious choice to help yourself it's just like it it honestly gives me goosebumps and I've tried not to well up multiple times Mm. tonight again um because yeah (laughs) this is just I just think women like I've said I think I said it last week women are bloody incredible like what they can make out of such Mm. horrific and tragic experiences and what they can create and the passion that comes from from that it's just really really um, inspiring yeah well I think we might wrap it up there thank you so much for joining us thank you thank you for having me we're so glad that we found you and our community can now use your amazing book of knowledge um and (laughs) thank you for sharing your journey and your story of your beautiful little triplets I know it's not always an easy story to tell so from the bottom of our hearts mm. we appreciate that and thank you for trusting us to share your share your story with our community I'm sure they will find it just as helpful as what we have um oh, for those that want to know more of you or chat with you further mm-hmm. where can they find you yeah um absolutely uh, I'm on Instagram at Ellie Margetson Hypnotherapy um Facebook is the same uh and I have a website which is the same um if people want to reach out I can answer DMs I also have um, links to a Calendly where you can book a free 30 minute consultation call um I would be absolutely honoured to help anybody on their journey you know it's a wonderful thing to be able to do and I'm so grateful that I'm able to do it lovely thank you we'll speak soon thank you so much for having me gosh wow the last couple weeks have been both sort of yeah really distressing and then really uplifting and inspiring at the same time both of our last two guests have experienced such huge amounts of loss and trauma and then turned into something so beautifully positive which is um yeah really inspiring this episode was particularly Mm. different hey Emma did you think that hypnotherapy might be something that you would consider yeah look honestly I've never heard well I have heard of hypnotherapy but not in the way that Elle has explained I think I struggle a lot with sleep and um flashbacks and a lot of the stuff that Elle spoke about in that episode which was really reassuring to hear about but I think the problem with modern medicine these days is you go to the doctor with these issues and they're so quick to offer you tablets and medicines and all these sorts of things Mm -hmm. but never have they said why don't you try hypnotherapy or um I think it's going to be something that's going to help 
hopefully me, um, but so many other parents that have been through similar situations. So yeah, it's something definitely that I'm going to try and um, reach out to Elle and start. So I'll That's keep exciting. you updated. Yeah, how do. I go. Yeah. yeah. We'd yeah, love to follow that good. journey. I reckon um, that'd be great for our listeners too to hear um, yeah. how, you're, how you're doing with yeah. all of that. How exciting. And it's, it's sort of that outside of the box therapy that like you said it sounds mm. like it can be really successful for like yeah what you've been experiencing the flashbacks mm. and the panic attacks and and it's not just yeah. the hypnotherapy but there's yeah she's she's like a long-term relationship mm. and lots of different coping strategies so yeah it'll be interesting to see how you go with it all and yeah yeah absolutely all right I think that's all for tonight thanks everyone for listening we will be back again next week with another special guest um this time it's going to be a little bit more of a casual chit chat again with a friend of ours Hayley um we'll leave it quite open we won't give you too many hints yeah yeah (laughs) um Hayley's a ball of laughs she's um real good fun so we're looking forward to to chatting to her um, but yeah, that's that's it from us. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.